I tell people in the supplement industry, like everybody thinks, oh, I'm going to go make my own supplements. Okay. Yeah. Stop. Let's break that down. If you're white labeling and you're just saying, you're showing up saying, yeah, I got five bucks to spend on a pre-workout. And the, the company says, okay, these are your two options. Right. I'll take that one. Great. What are your flavors? Okay, I'll take those and those. Yeah. That's easy. Yeah. We design from ground up. Sure. That's a challenge. Because you're, now you're designing the product, the logo, the label. You're getting all your trademarking. You're getting a supplier. It's way more than people think. And the trick with that is having someone in your corner who's done that. Where did you start? I literally, so the first, I, it's kind of a weird story. I, I sleep crazy. Teresa knows that. I don't, I have an odd sleep pattern. So I would keep a notebook by my bed and I would write all these things that would like come to my brain in my sleep. Like I wake up like, oh, I was dreaming about something. I'd write it down. You know, about 80% of those you look at them and you're like, oh, dude, what were you thinking? Yeah. You know, and the other 20% you have to look at. Well, I looked at this product because I was, I was very out of shape at a time in life. Super unfit. I mean, I'll show you a picture and it's pretty tragic. Yeah. And I look up, I woke up one morning, I looked in the mirror and I said, you know, I'm about to kill that guy. And I went on a mission to get healthy. And in that process, I was at an age where, you know, I was 47 when I started. So you were 47 when this happened. When it started. So that's almost 10 years ago. I'll be, 40, I'll be 57 on my next birthday. Okay. And I looked at that and I was like, I knew I needed a little, we'll call it help. You know, recovery, energy, those kind of things. I mean, I'm, I'm at the age in life where my natural, you know, biologic function is decreasing. It's not, I'm not a 30 year old guy trying to do this. Uh So I was, you know, I was using some supplements and trying some things and in this process. And I was like, but I could not find anything. Just to lose weight or what? No, just to like make sure I had enough energy to go do my workout. Make sure I was recovering good, you know? And so I was looking into this whole supplement thing and I was like, why is everybody a proprietary product? I can look at a product. There are 14 ingredients with one total gram and not a breakdown of anything. And I was like, I'm going to go on a mission to find a product that's, that I want. And as I did that, I found that there really wasn't a lot out there. Everything was either. I started like doing a lot of research. So I had about 3000 hours of R and D. I, I, tried everything. I bought everything. I used it. If I liked it, I would break down the ingredients. What is it? Why do I like it? What's different about this than that? And I would start writing them down. And I have notebooks of due diligence. Then I would go on, I'd go on on this deep dive on the internet and I would research these products and try and find what was going on. So the first round of product, I actually formulated myself. And I, you're like, I want, yes. what, what was the product? I formulated a pre-workout a recovery product, a test booster, and a fat burner. Okay, so you're like, pre-workout, I want X number of, X amount of caffeine, X amount of beta alanine, X amount of BCAAs, whatever. Whatever it was. And so I I just went and took some things that I liked, and I said, okay. What I kind of didn't reinvent the wheel. I found the things I liked, and looked at the, the quantities they were using. I did my research on what the data said, you know, what does science say you need, and I built my first products. Well, I sold them all. I, you know, I took a bunch of money, went to a manufacturer, said I need X number of this, this, and this. 
had them built and they were gone. Like they sold in like 90 days. Hmm. And I was like, okay, maybe there's something to this. I knew, I I'm feel strongly that you should get people in your corner who are the best at what they do. Is that your company now or yeah. did you switch your company? No, that was the company now. Okay. So it was literally. What's I, that company called? It's called Ready Nutrients, R-E-D-Y okay. Nutrients. Okay. You know, it's liveready.com. And that product process, I started to, you know, you get in that loop and you meet a few people and I stumbled upon a guy, through a guy, it was a, kind of a weird thing how we met. I was getting ready to do, uh, I want to do protein. And protein is an expensive thing and it's, an, it's, a, it's a loss leader. Okay. You, there's no money in protein. Don't let people kid you. Um, unless you're using absolute garbage. And we use grass-fed, all-organic, New Zealand whey. No hormones added. Yeah. The abs- hard, I feel like, to make protein good. It is. It, it's very hard. There's a lot of junk out there. Fillers. It's like, okay, you can eat this protein, but it's going to be disgusting. It's going to be gritty. Or it's going to be, like, actually pretty unhealthy. That's the reality. So I'll give you a trick that the protein companies use. And nope, I'm probably exposing way more than the industry wants to know at this point. That's but okay. Expose it all. When you go, when you take a cow and you take it to market, you're going to take it to a feed yard to fatten it up right before it goes to slaughter. You feed it dextrose and maltodextrin. Why? To get a more tender piles the weight on. Yeah. Because the fat. So they sell at a higher, at a higher gross weight when it hits the market. Right. Okay. 75% of the proteins on the market are loaded with dextrose and maltodextrin. Oh. Absolutely horrible for you. It's, it's an ultra-processed sugar product that they fill the protein with. Why? Because it's incredibly cheap to develop. It's actually a byproduct. Mm. Incredibly cheap. So they put it in there because then they've only got to put this much protein, blah, blah, blah. They add a bunch of aminos back in. They pasteurize it. It's a whole process. We use an unpasteurized product. Our product is never pasteurized. So we don't heat it to a temperature where we kill the natural existing aminos. We keep the aminos that come directly out of that whey product and they carry into your body. Mm. So it gives you higher bioavailability. So if there's not a lot of money in protein, why would you want to go that route? Because everybody wants protein. So it becomes part of your line. Mm. Does that make sense? So it's like, it's one of those check the box. It's check the box without a doubt. So you, you've got to have it. So I was looking for a protein. I was like, but I didn't want just any protein. I knew I wanted something. I was willing to invest the money. I knew I wanted something different. I happened on this guy. He hooked me up with another guy and we got on a phone call. He's like, Hey, I have a source on this protein that we can get that is absolutely the best of the best. I'm like, perfect, let's do it. And that took a little while because you buy protein in two to 4,000 kilos at a time. Yeah. You know, and that's an expensive investment. You know, you're, it, even if you're just starting, you're 100 grand just in one flavor of protein. So you do two proteins, 200 grand up front, no right. guarantee. And but I met up with this guy. He was a formulation chemist. That's what he does. He's a former competitive bodybuilder. He'd been in the fitness industry for years and years and years. And he's like, hey, I can help you. And we just got to be friends. So I started basically giving him the responsibility of formulating our products. So he formulates from the perspective of best ingredients, 
science-backed, no fillers, clinical dose. That's my requirement of him. And we produce a good product, you know? It's a, the supplement industry is a hard game. It's super saturated. Not regulated at all. Not regulated at all. And that's, we play on the regulated side. Mm -hmm. We play very, very careful in what we're using. You know, there are still, you can still get on Amazon and buy some products that are loaded with DMAA, which was causing heart attacks at an alarming rate. Mm -hmm. You can still find it. Yeah. It's still out there, but it's unregulated. We hope that some point they'll regulate that. Then you have to expose you know, we're manufactured in a fully regulated, you know, EPA manufactured. We're, uh, everything is checked in our manufacturing facilities. All those boxes that need to get checked are taken care of because we know at some point that's probably going to come up. So you make sure I have it clean. Make sure it's a per, you know, we have, we're checked for heavy metals. We're checked for biome. We're checked. It's expensive to have product tested. So each run you make, you have to have that tested. So it goes, gets outsourced to a third party. They check it. They verify the validity of what you're saying. Hold on. And then you go forward. Hold on. Let's, let's pause here for a sec because you're 47 years old. You wake up. You're like, I'm out of shape. I need something different. You need to go and change your life. <laughs> what were you doing before this? What were you doing the night before you woke up and had that dream? Um, I've owned several businesses. I've uh, bought and sell, sold several businesses. I really wasn't doing a whole lot at that time. You had 47 years to do a lot. I, feel I had like learned you a lot. Were. I had yeah. learned a lot. Okay. But at that point, I wasn't doing a whole lot. But I knew it, it kind of felt like it called me. Does that make sense? When I seen this idea, I like my life away from the gym is to be on the mountain. I love to hunt. I love to hike. I love to backpack. And I wanted products that would benefit that clientele okay the outdoor guy you know i don't care if you're motorcycling snowmobiling you know hiking backpacking kayaking canoeing whatever it is you can benefit from having a quality product that you can take with you yeah on the mountain and improve your experience especially at my age did you have experience in consumer packaged goods zero i started from the get-go I literally learned it all. I spent a year researching everything it took to, to do that whole process. And then I just said, here we go. And I just kind of threw all my cards on the table and went yeah. in. Yeah. And that's a terrifying thing, but it's also super rewarding to be able to do that. And in that process, you meet people. And if you pay attention, you'll meet the people that can help you along the way. And I was blessed enough to meet a bunch of really good people yeah. who were super supportive and they believed in what I was talking about, you know, in that idea of building an excellent product at a reasonable price that delivers what it says it's going to do. Was this primarily for you or yes, was this with, to, without was, a doubt, was this to, to be like, there's a gap here and I see a gap and I want to fill that gap. Definitely a gap, but it was for me. I was like, I want something that's good. If I have to start a company to get what I want, then so be it. So when we look at all these other lines, because I feel like just about every popular influencer out there has like a line of supplements. They like do. Jocko Willink. Right? Sure. Sure. The man's man. Absolutely. 
black belt jujitsu, has like Jocko fuel, sure. you know, all this milk stuff. And, and it's just like, they're all going to say like, this is super clean, super healthy. What is the, when we look at like these various different lines, what is, what are you looking at when you're like, that's not, that's not filling what I need? A lot of it is... Is it those fillers? Do they all have it's fillers? It's the fillers and it's the, the ingredients, the type of ingredients they use. Um, there's what's called like, let's say maybe seven years ago, mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff on the market that was using outdated ingredients, like just raw arginine instead of using a citrulline and a beta alanine. They were just using arginine okay, because it's super cheap. Yeah. So they were building these very cheap ing- products that they were selling for these astronomical numbers. I in personally, I've seen a shift to quality. I've seen that change. So what happened is all those guys that were making just garbage products, people would buy it once, but they don't rebuy because yeah. they're like, yeah. And they're the biggest barrier to entry in a, a powdered product is a flavor. Sure. Period. It, it, you could say it's going to make you fly to the moon and prove it. And if it tastes like crap. Nobody will take it. Well, one thing I've noticed is you can even get the same the same brand, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the same exact brand of powdered versus, like, pre-prepared mm-hmm. uh, shake. Yep. And that powdered shake will never taste the same as that pre-prepared shake. No, it won't. And part of this process, if you look at a pre-prepared shake, there are so many flavorings and, and stabilizers oils and, and oils and, and, and all yeah, that. all sorts of stuff. All that. And... There's good and bad in that. Like, there's a place for those things, but it's I'm goal specific. When I go to the gym, I'm an old man. In my hour and a half, I want to get the most benefit I can possibly get. Sure. So, putting garbage in my body to me is like lighting money on fire and holding it in your hand and watching it burn your fingers. If I'm going to invest in something, I want it to work. I want it to be good. And I want it to really actually do something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, a, there's some interesting studies on that placebo effect. If, if you tell a person it will do X, and then you tell a person you're going to take this, but it won't do anything to you, they can be the same thing, both placebos, and the people you tell it's going to do something to will see benefit when the others won't. Your mind yeah. is a powerful thing. Yeah, I saw a TED Talk on that. Some it's lady, very interesting. Some lady was talking about how, like, all these maids in a hotel. Sure. Have you seen this? No. Okay. I, I want to hear me, this. Let, I'm so yeah. intrigued by it. Let me let me tell you about this. This okay. is really interesting. She, she brought up, like, three or four di- different examples. But one of them was in a hospital. One of them was in a hotel. Let me tell you. In the hotel, there are all these maids. And... Maybe a little overweight or just not super healthy. Mm-hmm. And what they did was they started tracking the maid's activity sure. while they were just on their job. Yeah. And then they started telling them, okay, at this activity level, you should expect to lose this much weight um, and or whatever. They're educating them on their nutrients in, you know, calories out, mm-hmm. you know, type of, type of thing. Yeah, be it a deficit. And so – when they started knowing how much they were actually burning and how much they were moving, that just the fact that they knew how much they were doing and they knew what to expect from what type of results, 
these maids started dropping weight and they started becoming more fit yep. just from the knowledge. They didn't actually change anything about what they were nope. doing. It was simply the knowledge of what they were doing. The mind is a powerful thing. Same thing in the hospital where they would take, um, I can't remember. Do you, do you remember what patients they're like heart, heart patients or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. And they would give them placebo and the placebo would work as medicine Absolutely. because they told them, what it was supposed to do and their mind made it happen. Yes. And so this is like, this has been proven over and over again, over and over that if you know what you're supposed to do, you, like it's going to happen. I like to listen to, uh, Arthur C. Brooks. Do you know who that is? I do. I don't listen to much, but I do know who it is. He's yes. very interesting. One of the things that he said is that if you do moral acts, like things that mm-hmm. you consider good, mm-hmm then you will experience more happiness and a sense of purpose. And if you do what you consider an immoral act, you will experience the opposite. And it's not the fact that the act is moral or immoral. That has nothing to do with it. It's what you believe. Perceived. Yeah. Yes. Perceived. Your, your perception of what mm-hmm. is morally immoral according to your own compass. Yes. That's the difference. It is. It, and that's there. There's an interesting side of that because that part of the data is really up and coming, which is for me, it's fascinating because that's the side, the psychology of fitness is right now without a doubt, my draw. Yeah. The, the psychology of how to get fit and how to change your life and change your lifestyle from a psychological perspective. It's a, it's phenomenal. So you've always been a hunter, probably since you were a kid. Always been an athlete. Always was, been an athlete. Yeah, I was an sports. athlete in high school, uh, athlete in college. But when you started focusing on fitness, just to be fit, yes. was that was that at about the same time? Yes. Yeah. So I, when I woke up this morning, that morning, I looked in the mirror. I knew I had to lose some weight. I had to change something, or I knew, like I had granddaughters. They were, I just had my grand, my first granddaughter was a baby and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have babies coming along. My kids are pretty active and I hunted, but I never got to hunt like I do now. I never got to push myself mm-hmm. really, sure. really push myself. I mean, I never got to spend eight days on a mountain, pack an entire bull elk up by myself when you're three to five miles in. Yeah. I never got to, I couldn't cause I physically couldn't do it. I could go hunt and I could enjoy it and I loved it, but I was never, I never was going to be as good as I wanted to be. So I took my fitness on and I made a pretty radical change in my life. I grew up in a huge family. Food was comfort. Food was family. Food was social. Mm-hmm. So I ate like that. I ate the food was a social thing. And I never thought about what was going in my body. Not one time. Once I took this journey on, it became an obsession to find out about food and find out about what you need to eat, what's good, what's bad, what helps, what doesn't, you know, what are some techniques? You know, I don't believe in the word diet. I think diet is an absolute bastardized word in the industry. Diet is an action. Diet is how you eat whether you eat fast food four times a day that's your diet yeah it's what you allow 
yourself to take part in without a doubt you know that's that's it because yeah I, I, I agree with you I think it's gotten a really bad rap because of the fad diets Correct. and it's like you do this for a certain amount of time but no 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 nutrition is a lifestyle correct anybody can do this diet this high protein high fat no carb diet can you do that for the rest of your life can you do that every day for 25 years and actually i don't think i don't think anybody should eat the same foods throughout their entire life sustainability and and your ability to stay in line with that so you have you're setting yourself up with a you're making this conscious decision about what I'm putting in a box for my body. Yeah. You can't eat like that forever. You're better off to say, I'm gonna eat a healthy, active meal, meaning protein, carbs, a little starch here and there. Eat on a consistent basis. Splurge when you want to, but be consistent over time. You will go so much farther because that's sustainable. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you if you start anything and can't sustain it, why did you start? That that's like, oh, it drives me crazy because I, I believe in, and it's not for everybody. I get that. I eat a higher protein, modest carb, modest fat diet, but I cheat like a mother. You know, you know what I think it is though. What it comes down to is probably intentions, intentionality. Like, so if you are like. For instance, you said you cheat, right? You cheat all the time. Yeah. But you know you're cheating and you are intentional about it. And you're like, I'm going to eat this cookie and it's going to be delicious. Yep. But tomorrow I'm not going to eat this cookie or right. whatever, you know, is going to be done. Do you know it's why I eat done. the cookie? Because I know the next day I'm going to be an hour and a half in the gym busting my ass. Yeah. And I know I'm going to have a little pump on and I feel good. And that cookie is not going to get. Now I go 20 days like that. We had a problem. Yeah. People get in these things where you can't restrict things in your mind. So if you show up to a birthday party and you say, oh crap, I can't have cake. That's asinine. Have a piece of cake. Have a modest piece of cake. Go to the gym the next day. Drink plenty of water. Guess what? The cake doesn't matter. Yeah. If you're doing it in gross amounts. I'm a big believer in quantity because if you watch people eat, we eat in crazy quantities you know our portion size is way out of whack and that it, it's a calorie and if you eat a quality food at a deficit and you're doing some activity the science says not me guys that are way smarter than me the data says your body will reduce its fat stores and you will lose weight yeah. over time you better, but you gotta be consistent and again if you can't pick a quote unquote diet or a way of eating a lifestyle that you can sustain over time what's the point yeah it's got to be sustainable i think i'd agree with that for the most part i think that there are definitely let's take soda for instance right there are different definitely things in our world today that are just super high in sugar and fat processed food yeah processed yeah, or whatever processed, whatever yeah. it is uh-huh. and it's like no no quantity of that food is going to benefit you at i all. agree you know now there are things that i just will not eat because i'm like it's not worth it sure. like it's not actually that good sure. like it's sure. it's triggering what it's doing is it's triggering like dopamine centers in my brain and it's like ooh yeah that was good but is it actually that good no i don't think so i th- i think i think as far as like 
the enjoyment from mm-hmm. eating, the more complex, delicious flavors are probably better. Like if you were to Is get a like doubt? a very good cobbler or something like that, that has real fruit in mm-hmm. it and that has like all this, you know, real sugar and mm-hmm. real butter, you know, like yeah. it's, it's not great for you, but it's not a simple sugar hostess apple pie that you get from the grocery store or gas station. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's like, Correct. if you're going to cheat, cheat well, cheat well, eat good, Correct. Eat good garbage. Yep. I guess. No, (laughs) there's value in that. Like, because for me, cheating, quote unquote, whatever that is, that's, that keeps my brain healthy because I never go to that party. Cause if you go to the party and you don't eat cake, guess what you're thinking about the whole time? Damn, I couldn't eat cake. Crap. Do I really want, I can't eat cake. That's all you're doing is setting yourself up for failure. Go eat the cake. Have a little piece of cake. Get it out of your system. Get on with your life. It's You have to convince yourself, though. Because we, this is going back to the psychological principle I just brought correct. up, which is like, if you believe it's going to be worse than it actually is, it will be. Yes. If you believe it's going to be okay in small quantities, it will be. Right. Right? Because your body reacts to how you believe. Without a doubt. Like 100%. So... If you're going to beat yourself up for eating that little piece of cake more than if you were just to like suffer for an hour without eating it, it's probably better that you don't eat it. Correct. Mm -hmm. Because I think it it goes back to you have to convince yourself that what you are doing is a good thing. Correct. It's it this if you choose not to eat the cake and there are times I will choose not to, but there are times I will choose to. That decision that you make, like you said, psychologically, you have to be okay with that. What I'm getting at is most people go into this diet word, Mm -hmm. I can't eat that. So they are, they're psychologically, they've been eating sugar for 20 years. They've been eating processed food for 20 years. They're trying to make a change. That's a hard thing. Yeah. It's not easy. Like, I get that. I was there. I lived that. If you go in with that whole mindset that I can't have a certain thing, your body is reaching out for it. It's looking for it. You see it in everything. Every ad on TV, everything you drive by, every smell you smell drives you back to that. I think maybe. I think maybe. We see it, we see it in clients nonstop. I don't know. I've, I've given up soda. So I, I had to I do that as well. I don't, I don't crave it, and I never have it. Like... <laughs> I wouldn't say never, maybe like once a year, twice yes, a year. I like agree. it's it's not like a thing that I But you made a conscious decision that wasn't good for you, and so you chose not to eat that. You chose. Yeah. You it wasn't the doctor saying. Right. It wasn't your wife. It was you saying, I think I can live without that thing in my life. So it's a difference between I can't versus I won't. Correct. And that and the problem is most people live in I can't. Because they are living in that diet world instead of lifestyle world. Lifestyle world says you get to choose. Diet says no one gets to choose. You either can or you can't. Mm-hmm. That's why I hate that. You know, you need to have that lifestyle. We eat healthy, what, tea? Probably 85% of the time. We kind of live on an 85 15 rule. 85% of the time, we're very meticulous. The other 15% of the time, we enjoy our life because mm-hmm. it keeps me mentally good and it keeps me happy. And like, I get to have a piece of pizza and be like, I'm not even worried about this. This right. is okay. Yeah. 
Should I be eating it? Probably not. But is it going to kill me? Probably not in the long term. You know, the trick is when you're shifted the other way and you eat 15% of the time healthy and 85% of the time is processed and quick and, you know, super high fat and, you know, that's when it's hard on your body. So you are going very much on, um, what can I sustain for my life? Long time, long term. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think one thing that I have been thinking about is at different points in your life, you have to. Uh, and you should probably do this more often than not reevaluate. How am I eating? What am I doing? So what am I putting in? What is my body demanding at this point? Because the older you get, the more protein matters. Yep. Right. Um, <laughs> the, you know, like, what was I, you know who Max Lugavir is? Mm-hmm. So I was listening to him, Max Lugavir, yep. and he was saying, it's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not like a keto fan, but he's like, but actually if you are prone to dementia, as you get older, the fats go to keto. Absolutely. Right. And that's going to keep your mind healthier and long longer. Yes. So if, if, if you're starting to get there, yes, you don't want to start it too late because you're not going to be able to reverse whatever progression right. has happened. But you get to circumvent a little bit. Yeah. It'll slow it down. Correct. You know, so that, that's that's what makes me think at different points in your life. You have to like reevaluate what is my body demanding of me right now? And then that'll decide also how strict you need to be. So it might be 85, 15. It might be 95, 5. The other is what's your lifestyle like? Exactly. How active are you? How active are you at work? Do you go to the gym? so complex. Are you a mom chasing babies around all day? You know, know, it is complex. That's great wisdom in what you said, Sean, is reevaluating where you're at. Like we should do that in every part of our life. How should our eating and our health be any different? Like how many times you're a fair bit younger than me, but how many times you've reevaluated where you're at and where you're going in your life to this point? My guess is dozens. And we need to do that with our eating as well. And, and your discipline and I had to be super disciplined at first. Like I was like meticulous. I weighed every gram of everything that I ate because I had to change my habits. Do you track all the macros? I did initially, yeah. For the first probably six months, like every gram of everything that went in my body when I was losing weight and getting healthy, I monitored everything. By then, I felt like I had learned that concept. Now I got to tailor to me, to my needs, to my likes and my dislikes without totally throwing everything out the window. Yeah. You know, and again, I set myself up on a sustainable path. I pick things, we hear, you know, Teresa and I, you talk with a lot of people at the gym and you hear a lot of times, oh, healthy food is boring or healthy food is bland or healthy, that's a pile of crap. Healthy food can be just as beautiful and just as like satisfying and just as like bring you joy as crappy food. It just takes more effort. I actually think it more so. For me, much more so for me. Yeah. And I agree with that. Makes you feel better. Beautiful, healthy food is an amazing thing. It has more complex flavors. Yes. Without a doubt. The unhealthier the food, the more it triggers maybe the pleasure centers of the brain, but it is simpler. But it's never, it never satisfies you. It never really curbs your hunger. never really fills you up. Is this the point that you got into bodybuilding as well? 
Yeah, I was, I just kind of was working out a lot and I was starting to get in reasonable shape and I had a friend say, Hey, you want to do a show? And I'm like, how about for my 50th birthday, I get on stage. Nice. And it, so at that point, it's kind of a bucket list thing. Sure. And I thought I'll do one show, get it out of my system. How many shows have you done? Just the one? Eight. Eight shows. Yeah. So I just did my eighth show. So it became something that you really enjoyed. I enjoy it, but I use it as a tool. I set a goal. I pick a date or two a year, and I know that on that day, I need to be at my best. So it keeps me in line. Sure. It's another thing that helps me make better decisions when I eat, make better decisions in my, in my fitness, you know? You will find, I, I tell people all the time, they're always like, oh, I'm thinking about doing a show. I'm like, my advice to you, pay the money, set a date, you will be blown away at what happens. Because your intensity in the gym, your commitment in the kitchen, is it changes radically. Like you immediately like, I got some skin in the game. I gotta be on point with this. And so I that's what I do. I use it as a, like that's my marker. Okay, in October, I gotta show, I gotta be on point. Or in March, I gotta show. So I that's my, you know. And it, it's fun, I for me, like, let's be honest, like, cutting water and cutting your calories and working out hard is it's, it's challenging, but it makes you tough in your mind. Yeah. It lets you realize you can do way harder things than you think you can. Are there different categories of bodybuilding? Completely. Yeah. There what are, are, what are the categories? So they've changed over the years back in the day. It, it was bodybuilders, giant, immense men, right? Got on stage probably on some gear, just jacked, right? So that, there was there was a call about, oh, 15 years, 12 years ago, and they started seeing what we would call a beach body. So they added this physique category. And that grew, grew in popularity quite a bit. And then they realized there's a difference between these giant guys who are like, I don't care what they're doing to supplement their body type. It still takes a crazy amount of effort sure. to be like these men. Yeah. People would be blown away at what it takes to look like that. You're not going to get to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger type guy. You don't with, do You know, you I know. don't care what you're taking. You still got to put in the work. Yeah. It helps with the work. Yeah. It amplifies the results. But you still have to put in the work. Sure. So you, they have these two spectrums. They have bodybuilding, which are these giant men, and then they have these beach bodies in physique that were very lean, kind of pretty, for lack of a better word. You know, you, you show some muscularity, but you're not giant. You know, you show nice tight abs. You don't got to really worry about your legs. And they're like, there's some middle ground we're missing here. So they brought in what's called classic physique, which is kind of a blend of both. They're bigger, bigger muscularity-wise, but they're not big like a bodybuilder. Mm. They're much bigger than a physique guy, but they have more leg. They pose differently. It's and it's become kind of a like I openly admit I have a particular competitor in that classic physique world who I admire, I follow, I listen to, I take some of his training, I do it because he's defined that sport and elevated it to an entirely different level. And that's a, that's a gentleman called Chris Bumstead. Mm. And Chris is... I've li I listened to a podcast with him. Yeah, he's a, 
he's a very hard worker in the gym, but he took this combination between these two different things and he really elevated it. I mean, it. he's a big guy. He's a giant man. He yeah. walks around at 260. He's classic. And he's classic. You'd think he'd be like more of the bigger guy because he's no. huge. Oh, the bigger guys are walking around at 330 and getting on stage at 260. Yeah. He's walking around at 260 and has to make 225 or 240. That's... So it's different. And these guys, it's not like they walk around heavy. Can you tell who's on gear and who's not? Um, <laughs> gear. Gear. I like that. Yeah. Is, 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 I mean, that's what it is, right? That, Steroids. It is. Have, it is. All sorts and of different types of supplementation. In, in that world, to be, let's say, at the elite level, all, most, I can't say all, because I, like, I don't know them. I don't interact with them. But in my personal opinion, yeah, they're all taking some sort of enhancement. A PED, a performance enhancing drug. That is a decision they have to make. Some people people do it more intensely than others. Some people are blessed with great genetics, so they don't have to do it as much. But to compete at that high level, most of those guys are. I don't personally have a problem with that. That's their decision they make. I'm never going to compare myself to a guy that's on performance-enhancing drugs. I choose yeah. not to take them uh, for a couple reasons. One... A number of years ago, I had a massive heart attack and about died while I was healthy. Wow. I had a crazy thing happen in my heart. I spent eight days in the hospital. I'm lucky to be alive. Was that pre or post 47? That was post. That was about four years ago. Okay. In fact, it was four years ago in October. Got it. And it was an eye opener for me, you know. I was always, I always thought I was 10 foot tall and bulletproof, you know? Most people do. And it, you, you realize you're not, you recognize some frailties in your life. Yeah. It didn't change the way I train. I still train, you know, Teresa's at the gym with me on a very regular schedule. I, I train very intensely, I would very argue, focused. I would argue that that probably is prolonging your odds of not getting another issue like and that. I would agree with that and that's part of the reason I've chose to not do that I could probably put on 30 pounds like that if I was on yeah you know some performance enhancing drugs a they're legal <laughs> unless you're going to a doc and so I don't really want to play in that world mm -hmm. that's not my choice I have zero against men that do it though yeah because I there's a misconception that I can stick myself in the leg two or three times a day and just grow muscles. That's horse crap. Do you do your blood work? Do you get your yeah, blood oh yeah. work drawn? Yeah, I get my blood work then. Do you, because uh, there's a lot of people, and it's really big, like TRT, TRT and things sure. like that. I strongly recommend TRT. I, well, for people who need it. Absolutely. You know, at, at some point, and Absolutely. I, don't, I don't know what point that is. It might be, what, 40, 50. At some point, your testosterone is dropping to a level that is going to benefit you to to get some sort of a testosterone everybody's drops at a different level and that's lifestyle related it's stress yeah. related it's genetic related starting at 30 your test is going to start going downhill that's the data uh by the time you're 50 it can drop quite a ways yeah. you know and that and that's a decision you need to make with your significant other or yourself and, and a doctor you know i that is never something someone should, that's not a decision you should make just because the guy next to you is doing it. Exactly. You, you should get your blood work done. You should, if you need it, great. If you don't, don't do it. 
Well, I think the thing that people need to realize is that there's no free lunch, nope. right? No, there isn't. Like, like there isn't. if you take testosterone, you no. don't need testosterone, then you're going to mess up your own testosterone production. You will quit making testosterone. Yeah. And now you are bound to taking testosterone for the balance of your life yeah. as long as you want to feel like that. Exactly. So it's like, it, you know, whether it's steroids, whether it's TRT, whether it's anything else, if you're not doing that appropriately – or at all, right? Correct. You're going to mess up your own body regulation. You are. And like there are consequences that people don't talk about yeah. and that you don't see that people experience. And it's not worth doing that unless, you know, you have a very reasonable reason to go and do that for the betterment of your health and longevity. I, and I agree 100%. I, I think... If someone, if someone will always ask me, should I get on TRT? But I'm like, the first thing you need to do is go to your doc, get a full panel, get a full panel, sit with him, look at what those things are. And I always tell him, I wouldn't go to a general practitioner. I would go to a, a hormone clinic, hmm. go to someone who studies and deals with hormones every day because they're incredibly complex. Right. And if you're, those people have the latest data, the most information. They have the, the best methods. Go deal with those people who are the best at what they do. You know, go get your blood work done. Sit and talk to them. Your test, no, your test is, it might be lower than it could be, but it's good. Mm -hmm. So let's stave this off another three or four years. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe, you know, when I get mine checked annually, um, a lot of men, if they're on TRT, they'll get it checked every six, six months, which is recommended. And here's the thing. It's uh, you can do things in your lifestyle to stop yourself from losing testosterone faster or, or, you know, whatever, whatever else. Like you can do something to regulate your own hormones. You, you can rate to a certain point to a certain point. Yes. Right? You it can definitely helps. circumvent some of the loss. Cortisol. Yeah. We all know what cortisol is. You know, it's a stress hormone. Cortisol is the antithesis of testosterone. Yeah. You know, test hates cortisol. Cortisol hates test. They don't like each other. And we live in a very, for lack of a better word, a very stressful society sometimes. You know, we're on the go. There's a demand to be this. There's a demand to be that. We have our career. We have our family, our kids. Our, you know, there's a lot. Mm -hmm. And cortisol likes to pop its ugly head out. Have you always been pretty disciplined? Um, I was, I was an athlete. So when it came to athletic things like that, oh yeah, I was incredibly disciplined. How, how has that transitioned into your other areas of life? It, I, it has, and it hasn't. And I'll, and I'll tell you how it, it definitely defines a mode of operation. Does that make sense? Sure. But I try not to sometimes you have to in your career for instance you have being disciplined is absolutely paramount but if you're so disciplined that it's inner inner or affecting your relationship with your spouse your relationship with your kids because i'm working 16 hours a day and i'm never home and i'm on the road and blah is that really being disciplined or is that being selfish and i have struggled with that as he when i was a younger man you know, where you, I work, 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 work. I'm trying to get ahead, trying to, and I get that. Like, I understand that concept, but I get to look at it from an old man's perspective now. Yeah. 
I'm, I always, I have a lot of younger friends, a lot of younger guys that I, I either hang out with, associate with, or I hunt with, or something like that, or I work out in the gym. I always tell them, if you think you're spending enough time with your kids and your wife, spend more. Period. Well, it's uh, $10,000 a year yeah. is not the difference between your happiness and your, your relationship with your family. I think it's prioritizing relationships over outcomes. That's very good. Super good counsel, Sean. Super good counsel. Because like, it, it doesn't matter if you are using that for your time spent at work or doing something or your conversations and arguments that you're having. Right. And you want to have a certain outcome. Yeah. It's like, are you going to prioritize the outcome over the benefit of your relationship? Yeah, that's healthy, healthy advice. You know, a counselor would pay, they charge a lot to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, so you had kids, grandkids. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume you were married at one point, mm-hmm. maybe not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what are some of the lessons that you learned through? I, a failed marriage. I don't know. If, sure. Did you get it? Sure. Did you get a divorce? Did we did. You, yep. Okay. Uh, like, I'm sure there are a lot of hard times mm-hmm. in there. I'm sure there's a lot of very difficult moments. And I want to know what you do now today because of those difficult moments and the lessons that you took away from those. I think that's a great counsel. Um, I have three basic things that really come to mind. First and foremost, I wish I would have taken my health more serious at an earlier age so that I could have given that knowledge to my children. And that's one thing I, and I'm lucky I have healthy kids and they're happy and they're active and, but I wish I could have given them more in that regard. And I didn't because I was not doing it. That's where I advocate so much for like teaching your kids and getting them involved and it's okay for, you know, I love that. The other thing about that in, in learning is you have to look at life as a whole. Meaning, if this part of my life is great and these three parts of my life are miserable, is that life's problem or is, can I change that? Can I do something to improve those other three areas? And I think sometimes we like to, it's, uh, there's a great book. Have you ever read uh, Good to Great? Yes. Excellent read. Yeah. Um, He has a philosophy in there called the window in the mirror manager. And I equate that to the window in the mirror person. So when there's something going wrong in my life, you have two options. You can look out the window and try to blame everything and everybody out there. Or you stand in front of the mirror, have a hard conversation with yourself, and discuss, can I do better? Hmm. Can I improve this? Is this something that I can make a better difference at? And I use that on a daily. The other thing that I've learned in, all, in, you know, in struggles and things of that nature is don't take one second for granted. Don't do it. The, the relation, this conversation we're having, I will remember and embrace forever because I don't take little things for granted anymore. I used to. And I've learned that the small and simple things are what bring you joy. 
that are also what gives you fulfillment in your life. Yeah. And it's, that's a hard process to learn. Like it, it you know, uh, there's only so many ways to learn it. Yeah. Failure, struggle. <laughs> like, yeah. You got to bonk your head, right? Yeah. Cause it, without struggling, without hitting your head on the wall, it's really tough to learn that. I had, I'm a big reader. I love to read. Um, and you'll recognize this book and I won't go too deep into the theological side of it, but there was a great book written a number of years called, called standing for something. Mm-hmm. You remember the author? Yeah. Uh, Gordon B. Hinckley, great man, could be a mentor to anybody in this world, regardless of religion one or of anything. My, one of my favorite people in history. Without a doubt. Yeah. I agree. I did, and he, he made an impression on me with that simple term, standing for something. And I take it a little bit farther. I think it's one thing to stand for something. I think it's another thing to advocate and embrace and try to help that thing that you stand for. Yeah. We can all stand on a box and say, I advocate for X, Y, Z, right? Truly standing for something means you take action and you put that into work. And I've, that's something I, like I learned at an older age. I wish I'd learned younger, but I didn't. And it's also really hard to stand for something when it's unpopular. It is. When you get pushback. You are absolutely right, Sean. For it's like, wait, what? Yeah. What do you you think? Yeah. What what do you believe? Yeah. You know? I I agree, you know? And that's why I'm like, I'm action oriented with that term. Yeah. Because anybody can say, oh, I stand for this or stand for that. Well, do you? Really? Or is that just what you say because it's popular? Or is that what you say because it's easy? Yeah. Standing for something means you take action. That means your life shows it, your character shows it, what you're involved. And you know, standing for something might be, you know what? The homeless thing hurts my heart. I want to stand for helping homeless people. If you just say that, I don't do anything. Are you really standing for anything? That's the question I would venture. And that's the question I ask myself. Benign platitudes. Benign platitudes. And I, like I, so I live by that. Um, it's a, if I believe in something and I've made that decision that that's what I believe or that's the way I function, you guarantee I'm going to be involved in it. You're talking like somebody who you can only talk that way if you've experienced, um, a time where you didn't think that life was going to go on. And that could have been your heart thing that you were talking about, heart attack. It could have been, you know, any number of other things. But I feel like that's a lesson that what you're expressing right now is a lesson that you have to learn firsthand at some point in your life. Without a doubt. It can't be given. No, but if you can tell people the concept, now they get to dabble in it a little bit. And if they dabble in that and they're like, ooh, yeah, I like that. I like that I go and work at the shelter yeah. and I feed these people who are struggling. And I ha- I'm blessed. You know, I'm of the opinion I could be the worst of my worst and I'm still so blessed. Mm-hmm. I still have everything. 
This is one of the reasons I love Peter Atiyah so much. Oh, yeah. He, he talks about longevity, but yes, it's, it's, it's not even longevity. It's not even like living longer. It's just living better. Better. I agree. It's living better and living to the greatest extent possible. And that last 10 years of your life, he always talks about that last 10 years of your life. A lot of people know when they're in it, but Absolutely. it's hard to know. It's hard to know what that's going to be like until you're there. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, and you can only affect it before you're there. Really? Yes. Because once you're there in the last 10 years of your life, you have either taken the steps before you got there to make that a better period for yourself right. or you haven't. Yeah. I and agree. if you haven't, that's going to be a lot of lonely days and nights and suffering and all the above, you know, when that comes, you know, and I've had struggles in my relationship with some of my kids, you know, divorce can cause that. Yeah. And I work diligently on that. I'm far from perfect. I make mistakes every day. Uh, one thing you will always hear me do is I will acknowledge my faults and I will acknowledge when I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And I've been wrong at times. I took the opportunity to try and learn from that. I would be concerned if you said you had never been wrong. <laughs> That's <laughs> Teresa's perfect. I'm not. <laughs> no, but a lot of people don't. I think there's power in acknowledging that. Yeah, I think, and not only saying you've been wrong, but like really, and I think you're getting at this, really understanding why. Right, right. And being willing to look at yourself and look at that. It's that window in the mirror thing again. You look in the mirror, you ask yourself hard questions. Mm -hmm. There's a problem with this. Yeah. Where's the problem lie? That's uncomfortable. Like, no one likes to do that. No one. Anybody who likes to do that, oh, David Goggins might. He's the only guy I know. <laughs> you know? But no one wants to really, like, I think it's powerful to have hard conversations with yourself. Part of the reason I like to go to the mountain, like to hike, like to get outside, I'm as close to God, whatever you call that, whoever that is to you, this being that, you know, you're, whatever that is in your life, I'm as close and as connected when I'm outside and I can think and I can talk to myself and I can talk to him if I so choose as I am anywhere in the world. And that's, and I started that as a young boy when I would ride the horse up on the mountain when I was a little kid and, mm. you know, spend time on the mountain alone. And like, I like that. Who, who is God to you? Um, I would simplify it a little bit. Um, I would call myself a spiritual individual, not necessarily a religious individual, but I absolutely believe in God. I think he created the heavens and the earth. He created us. And whatever that is, he is someone who loves me and is always there for me. Irregardless, irregardless of where my life is, he's always there. And I know that I can always talk to him. Yeah. Even when I should probably talk to him more, I know I can reach out. What is your, what is your relationship? How does that, how does that relationship with God that you have, you obviously have, one, uh -huh. how does that impact your life? Um, it, it provides a couple things. One thing is I know that I'm unconditionally loved. There's not a person on this planet who doesn't crave to be loved unconditionally, period. Good, bad, or otherwise, he loves me. 
I know that because I wake up every morning and I'm still breathing and I'm still good. Mm. I have great people in my life. I have sufficient for my needs. I have a gal in my life who loves and adores me. She treats me like a king. I know he loves me unconditionally, period. And I, that's my barrier to that. The other thing is I spend so much time outdoors and I've been all over and seen amazing. I have a hard time looking at the beauty of nature and thinking, yeah, this just happened. Yeah, this is, there it is. No, you, you, there is definition in nature. You know what they say? It is there for our joy. The um, creationist, not the creationist, the uh, evolutionist, mm-hmm. right? If you look at everything, how it developed, according to an evolutionist perspective, everything can be explained by science as long as you allow it one miracle, which is the Big Bang, because right. that cannot be explained. But and, and so and so, it's really it's really fun to look at, you know. And you have these creationist versus evolutionist debates, and mm-hmm. it it's always the people who. I I can see where they're coming from because I believe the same thing, what you're talking about with yeah. being in nature and being out there and seeing the beauty of how things it's are. It's all miraculous. And saying there's no way this wasn't planned. Correct. In some yeah. extent. I remember having a very spiritual experience. I like to climb mountains. Mm-hmm. I like to go up to summits. And one of my f- very favorite places I've ever been is the Grand Teton mm-hmm. Peak. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been up there? I have. The instant I got onto the summit of the Grand Teton, and it's very vast. Um, you like, feel very small. Yes. You can look out. Whereas, like, okay, if you are in certain mountain ranges, like the Himalaya Mountains mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. Like, I went up Mount Elbert in Colorado, and that's higher than the Grand Teton. Yeah. But there's a lot of other high mountains right around Around you, you. yeah. Whereas the Grand Teton itself is very prominent. Yeah, it's a, it's a finger sticking out yes. of the ground. <laughs> and so it's like, it's a, it's a different perspective. Yes. Because you're up there, and you can see out forever. And I, I don't know how to explain it, but I had a very just personal spiritual experience up there that will stick with me till the end of my life. Without a doubt. Yeah. I have had several of those where I have been on the mountain and a, it's good because it keeps me humble because I know how small I am. I understand my place. Like we all, sometimes we get, you know, like, Oh, I'm this or I'm that. And we all do that. You know, say what you will. Everybody does that at point. When I'm on a mountain, uh, I went with a friend last, uh, a couple weeks ago. I took a friend to, I wanted to show him a spot that I hunt and we went up and we hiked to the top of this huge drainage and I have a big panoramic picture I took and I can just see him sitting on the edge of this rocks and I can see as the mountain range runs out for miles in front of us. And I told Teresa, I showed her that picture and I said, look how small he looks in that. And it reminds me and it keeps me humble in that regard. And I think that's what you experience as you, there's humility and gratitude that get woven together in those moments. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh Uh-huh. I, like, I'm a guy that, that I can understand people's Big Bang Theory. I'm really quite open-minded because I would say 
okay, I'll buy into the Big Bang Theory. Who created the Big Bang? Well, that's, that's the miracle, right? Well, the, like, mir- the, mir- the miracle is a higher power. Yeah. Because you can't get nothing from nothing. Yeah. Nothing from nothing doesn't work, so there's always something. Something had to start somewhere. Correct. Your concept is to what's your something. Right. Everybody has a different concept of that. Mine and yours is very similar. It's probably different from a guy that's listening to this or someone else. I'm okay with that. What brings you joy and comfort and peace? That's your thing. Yeah. You know, for me, it's nice to know that there's a that there I'm a small being in a beautiful process that in my eyes is perfectly miraculous. You know, I, when we were hiking uh, with my friend, we would look at things and, you know, and he's, he's a pretty spiritual guy and pretty religious man. And, and we would laugh about, see how that grows and the leaves turn upright and they catch the water. And we, so we had this little game on this, you know, giant hike that we went on about picking out these little miracles in plants. Mm-hmm. Isn't it miraculous that this works just like that? And that's the only way it can work. And you can talk about evolution. And like I said, I get that. I understand where people can see that perspective. I don't, I'm not naive enough to think to just, uh, throw it aside. Um, I, I think it's important to value other people's people's visions and concepts of life. But for me personally, it's miraculous. Yeah. Designed and built that way by higher power for a specific function. Part of that function is to provide me joy and happiness, which is an amazing thought. It is. How do you feel about, uh, aliens? I think there are... Are they real? I think there's life out there, but I wouldn't define them as an alien. I don't know what they are. I've never experienced it. Extraterrestrials. You believe that we are alone in the universe versus... No. Um, I believe there are worlds without number. Whether or not they're inhabited, I don't have the foresight, nor do I have the basis. How do you feel about... You said you're a spiritual individual. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about uh, paranormal? Spirits, um, ghosts, that I, type of thing. I don't know about ghosts per se. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think there are spiritual beings on this planet that are here to? I I would venture to say that spiritual beings for me are not a negative thing. Yeah. I would venture to say that they are a positive thing. Meaning there are spiritual beings on this planet that are here to, if we pay attention and listen, to protect us and guide us. That w- that's my take. Yeah, that's you interesting. Know, probably a different take than everyone else's. So, but. well, the reason I ask those questions is because you've mentioned humility a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot worth talking about that it's okay to not have the answers to. Could not agree more. Because whether it's God, whether it's aliens, whether it's spiritual beings mm-hmm. or ghosts or whether it's the Loch Ness monster down sure. deep in, you know, or in <laughs> yeah, the lizard people or whatever. Like it is worth taking time to realize that there's a lot we don't know. And that there's a lot that the best minds of our generation do not know. And that itself 
is very humbling. It is. Because like even about nutrition, even about, you know, we're talking about the human body. The human body is probably one of the most miraculous things on this planet. No, it is the most miraculous thing. It is the most perfect combination of function. Biological matter. unbelievable. Can heal itself. It can, you know, I didn't know this, but apparently like your heel, there is no... There's no replacement for your heel. If your heel is like, I, I, uh, I was listening to this girl who she got poisoning from a tampon. Really? Yes. And she passed out. She was found in her apartment. She was rushed to the hospital. She would have died. There's actually a number of women who die from this. Toxic shock syndrome. She had to get her leg amputated. They were going to take both legs. Oh, my gosh. But I think eventually they did take both legs. I can't remember. But uh, originally it was just her one leg and then like the heel and toes of her other leg, but she still couldn't walk on it because yeah. there's, n- there's nothing that can replace like the amount of stress that you put on your oh, heel and like the punishment the, it takes. Yeah. <laughs> you can't replace that. Even like the fake limbs that people use are like the springs. Like they don't have a heel. No. It's like they're walking on toes mm-hmm. the whole time. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, there are things about our body that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. There are things, everything almost about our brain we don't understand. Oh, yeah. We understand such a minute amount. And it's like we're discovering things every single day. And I think what drives me crazy is when people are so confident that they know that this is the right diet yeah. or this is the right thing. I couldn't agree more. And it's like, no, no, no. You don't know that. Like it works for you. Correct. And it's working. Uh, and that for goes back to what I said. You have to find what works for you. Yeah. And everybody's body is a little bit different. Biologically, we're, we're so the same and yet so different. Yeah. It's astounding. And it's cool. It's cool your approach. I like your approach because what you want is you want to get more natural products. You know, I agree. I don't know everything, but. One thing I am very fairly confident in is that the more natural the food, the better it is overall. And I would agree with that. The the less processing you can put in your body. And why am I confident in that? It's because I, you know, humans have been around for a long time. Yeah, a day or two. You know, (laughs) our processed foods are fairly recent. Very new. And since we've been eating more processed foods, we can see pretty easily that the average human is less healthy right whether it's obesity whether it's heart disease All whether it's autism and you it's, know, whatever and it it's is. moving upwards like that's the thing is it stays static for a long time very similar it's like those numbers were pretty tepid yeah. for a long time it's only been the last say 45 years that it's really started to like shift up yeah you know, so I, I, and I think there's value in that. I think in what you're saying there, there's, that's a healthy way to look at it. You know, I really like, I really like talking about things. I don't know the answers to. Yeah. Just because I think it's fun. We get to work through them though. Right. Yeah. How do you learn an answer? If you're sitting in a college class and you're sitting in whatever XYZ class, you learn by talking about it. Mm-hmm. You learn by having a question that's outside and a professor says, huh, let's talk about that. 
let's learn, let's figure this out. And I think the, the, what we're doing here is probably my favorite thing that's come of the internet or whatever in a long time is the ability to have a long form discussion about something. Yeah. The ability to sit down and no script, no whatever, and just talk and like have share ideas. And I don't have to agree with you, but I get to listen to your idea and be like, hmm, that's something I need to think about more. Yeah. Like, I think that's powerful. Like, it's powerful to not, like you said, to not know everything. I want to, I want to hear more about your, your journey, not just health wise, but like your spiritual journey one, because you read the book standing for something by Gordon B. Hinckley, which means you were probably religious at one point. If you're going to read that book, you don't consider yourself religious at this point. What is that journey? Um, where did that begin? Where is it now? Raised, uh, in a very conservative Latter-day Saint home. Um, I was always a little bit of an outlier. Because if my mom said, don't do that, that was the first thing I was trying to do. I was always a guy that was going to test the boundaries. Um, I don't, I always had in my back of my mind certain things. And, you know, I've challenged those at times in my life. And I've had to reconsider some things at times in my life. But I spent a good part of my adult life anxiously engaged and I don't have a theological issue about anything that goes on Mm -hmm. I'm perfectly comfortable with that I do have a boy I have to be really careful with this (laughs) this is a very personal subject to me so I will I will be cautious but I'll be be brutally honest if there's anything you don't want to discuss that's totally fine I I don't have a theological issue. I have a delivery method and people issue. Okay. Is that fair? Sure. Um, Do you want to expound on it or you want to um, leave it there? A situation in my life that affected me and someone in my family that tragically challenged my concept of love and tragically challenged my concept of what that particular uh, entity, meaning the, the LDS church stood for. Got it. And, you know, Teresa knows, like, I'm, I have zero theological issue. I'm a very spiritual person. I talk to my Heavenly Father every single day. I really struggle. And that's, I recognize that that is my struggle. Sure. That ha- doesn't have to do with anybody else. That's my struggle. That's the thing I have to work through. I'm okay with that. I'm working through that in my time, at my pace, on my terms. Um, But yeah, you know, I have a long history in the LDS church. I think there's, I think there's something very good about understanding that we are all on a very personal journey and the whole, at least according to LDS doctrine, Mm -hmm. right? The whole purpose of this life is for you to take that journey. It is. And I agree because you have to, you, you have to work it out in your mind. mm -hmm. You have to work it out in your heart of, 
And you have to choose to act on, again, very similarly to the discussion we were having with uh, food and nutrition and your health. You have to choose to act in a way that you feel is right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to. I am not really good at being a follower. Lions, Um, not sheep. Right? Isn't that a thing? I don't know. That's like a brand, um, right? That's what a brand. That? That's a brand. <laughs> I don't even um, know what brand that is. I just hear it. It, it, it is a brand. <laughs> um, and apparently that's not one that Teresa likes very well. I, I wouldn't, I would, I agree with the concept. Sure. Yeah. 100%. I am a person who is willing to stand at the front and lead and struggle. Sure. Rather than stand in the back and hope for the best. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's my personality always has been. Sure. Um, but that comes with its own set of consequences sometimes. Where do you, I mean, we all have to follow at some point because if you didn't follow, you would be the emperor of the world. Correct. And so it's like there, there, there's, there's a, there's a point at where it's like, okay, I'm going to lead, 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 lead here. I'm going to follow. Where do you draw that line? Um, I'll equate it to a business that I used to own. When you, when your business outgrows the expertise of its ownership, Mm -hmm. it's time to follow. That comes in different aspects of our life. Sure. Whether it's your marital relationship, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with God, your relationship with food, your friends, et cetera, et cetera. There's always a time to be a follower, and you are correct. That point will come at different points. And it maybe it comes for a period of time, and then maybe you gain a little wisdom. Maybe you learn some things. Maybe you deal and go through some things that help you want to step back towards the front. And that's okay. You know, I don't have a, what's the right word? I always tell Teresa, there's an ass for every seat. <laughs> like, and I believe that. Yeah. Like, there's a place for everybody in the world. And my goal or my, my journey is to find where do I fit? What, how can I bring the most good? How can I bring joy to people around me and myself and find where that seat is? I'm always looking for that seat. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. And I and I think we move seats on the bus sometimes. I think that's the lead follow game. Sometimes we sit in the back of the bus. There's a wisdom in knowing when to take the lead and there is. when to relinquish it. That comes down to your humility. You know, we, we've spoken. Like, I say the word humility a lot. I explain our relationship Teresa and I, I explain our relationship based on humility. I'm always humbled that I met her, that I have someone like her in my life. It humbles me. Yeah. And it, she teaches me. And, like, I'm incredibly grateful for that. You guys both have very strong personalities. So, yeah, we do. So, <laughs> so, I'm, so I'm curious on what, uh, how you approach an argument with another strong personality 
it, that's very interesting, or isn't a, it? Or a disagreement. Um, Maybe not even an argument. Some people, you know, that you call a disagreement, but yeah. it's like you're not on the same page. How do you approach that? Teresa and I communicate quite well, for the most part. Don't do we not? We have both learned a little thing, and this is something I'm learning continually. And I, don't, I can't speak for Teresa, but I'm it, just like you and I. So that's an opinion, right? We're basing that on opinions. I'm always willing to listen to her opinion. Always. She's always willing to listen to my opinion. And I usually end with a caveat, like, you don't have to do anything this with this, but this is my input. Yeah. And we get to learn from each other. Teresa's very, very smart. She's very intellectual. And she keeps, she does a really good job of sometimes helping me see the forest through the trees and like i'm grateful for that yeah you know it's called patience <laughs> <laughs> teresa said it's called patience that's probably right she probably yeah i would agree with that but we like we've both been through a marriage before yeah um you you kind of know some of the pitfalls for lack of a better word you, if you're growing, which is, it's always going to be my goal. I think it's everybody's goal. You should be learning from the pitfalls. Mm -hmm. And that's some of what we early on when we started dating, we talked about were expectations and what we wanted out of each other and, and how we could talk. And, you know, and you can say anything you want. Um, that's always going to be okay. You know, and, and Teresa's, she's, what's the right word? Chastise me at times. And I'm okay with that. Um, because A, I know she cares for me. And B, I know that she wouldn't say it unless she knew she was doing it for the right reasons. If it comes from a place of love. Correct. And you can assume mm -hmm. that that is what they have for you, sure. then I think that makes the message much different. Agreed. The problem is us men have this little three-letter word that lives inside our body called ego. Mm. And It's not just men. Women have it too. They do, but I see it way less prominently. <laughs> I see it way less prominently. They display it They display, they display it differently. It differently. Yeah. They do. You're totally it's right. Different level. Yeah. But, you know, we all have that. And... There are certain places and certain times in my, in all of our world, I won't say me, let's talk everybody, where your ego has to step forward a little bit. It's almost a, to survive a given situation, that's gotta come forefront for just a minute. Yeah. The trick is knowing when it's okay to let that show its face and not let it come out too far. This is one thing I've learned is that the people I've, I've separated ego from confidence. Okay. And the people who are more confident generally have less reason or desire to display their, you know, ability. Whereas the people who have less confidence due to ego. Yes. Need some reason to prove sure. themselves in one way or another. And I, I think that's the true thing. I don't know. May I ask you a question? Yeah. Can I flip the mic over on the other side? Sure. Tell me how you came to learn that. 
genuinely interested. Yeah. Because I think you're 100% right. But I want to know how you learned that. Because I was the ego guy okay. for a long time. Okay. And I think it, it was only when I was like, truly, I'm like, oh, no, I got this. That I didn't feel like I had to, I had to do that. Right. And so yeah, it's like, absolutely. And so you, it's like for 100%. a long time, for a long time, I would be like, oh, I'm going to lift this heavy weight. Even like very recently, sure. I'm going to lift this heavy weight. I'm going to post it on social media. It's going to be really cool. Like, sure. and I was doing it kind of for me, but also like, I just wanted to record it and I just wanted to like document like my progress. But there's also like this little thing in me that's like, I want people to see how strong I am. Of course, you know, of but course. it's like, but, but it's like, once you reach a certain point where it's like, no, 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 no. I understand where I'm at physically. I understand my abilities. I understand, um, what I can do, what I can't, you know, there's no reason to compare to other people. Um, and it could be whether it's like physical ability, could be mental or, you know, uh, anything, any, innumerable any, things, anything. I agree. Right? Innumerable. And there's still things that I feel like I need to prove. Sure. You know, because of my ego. Oh, sure. I can do this. Sure. And that, those are really difficult. And so it's just learning based on how I'm progressing myself. Once you prove to yourself that you can do something. It doesn't have to be to somebody else. You have a less of a desire to actually like do it unless it, it it's it, unless you need to. Right. And you I know? would agree. I that concept is interesting because I would propose a question to you. Whether you can or can't lift that heavy weight, does it make you any less valuable in the big picture? It's all the same. It's all the same. It doesn't matter. It's for you. It's only if you choose to put it out there to gain approval from others. That's a hard thing. Yeah. Because you're right. The ego comes in. We've, I have, I, I have taken a lot of grief because I like to do fitness shows because I, and you know, when you're on stage and you're half naked and you got seven or eight people up there, you just worked your butt off for whatever time, you know, a year dieting and training and their job is to tear you apart their job is to find your defects and then tell you what your defects are and compare you to another human which is a really humbling experience and if you don't handle it correctly can overwhelm your life and your psyche I everybody's like why do you train so hard and Teresa knows my answer I want to take my shirt off at the pool that's it. That is it, Sean. They're like, why do you work out so hard? I'm like, so I can take my shirt off. Like, that's it. I'm okay with having that little bit of vanity and arrogance. I mm-hmm. want to be at the pool, take my shirt off, and I want to look okay. I have compartmentalized that that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That concept for me, I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not harming. I'm not attacking. I'm not putting anyone's down. That is strictly for me. So I stay healthy, I train hard, I take care of my body, I get enough rest, I do all these things so I can take my shirt off. And that's my reason. I'm not hurting anybody. Right. You know, and and, and that's, you have to be okay with that. 
sometimes ego is about putting others down. I think the problem with ego is that it stops you from showing humility. It does. They don't exist together. You know that. You know that because you've experienced it, not only in yourself, because I've experienced that in myself. Yeah. But you experience it in others. And when that's when you feel it is when you experience that in another person. Right. It's hard to feel it when you're in it for yourself. But when you experience it from another person, you genuinely feel it. Like it's a, it's a palpable feeling when you feel that difference. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, I love that. We, we're, we're going on a while. You're, we whenever you're good. We can talk later. We'll talk anytime. No, 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 no. I just want to make sure that, uh, make sure we're still going here. Give me one second. Move this up. Yeah. There's our pause right there. Yeah, we're about an hour and a half. Okay. It's been fun, Sean. Like this I've, is, I've this, enjoyed this. This is great. This is a great conversation. And this is exactly why I made the podcast. I, I, like, I, I like these conversations. And I've tried to be like brutally honest with you, which is a little terrifying for me because I'm why I'm very private okay I'm a very she knows that I'm a very private person I I have my own foibles I acknowledge them but I'm pretty private I generally don't put too many things out there yeah and this has been good I've enjoyed it I have too well I appreciate you doing that I've, Um, I've learned a lot today from you listening to you it's been very very good i really like how you said you have to enjoy the small moments oh boy because i really believe that and i i sympathize with that um my daughter 18 months almost her she's she's very healthy and she's learning like crazy and she's just growing and every single day she does something a little bit different and she drops something that she used to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I remember when she did that. That'll never happen again. No. She will never do that again mm-hmm. because she has passed that stage. Yeah. And it's like, unless you were there for it, you would have missed it. And especially at this age where she's growing. But oh, the neuroplasticity is so rapid. At this age, you can see the change. Mm-hmm. You can see it. On a day-to-day basis, you can see her learn and grow and realize things and blah, 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 blah. But in regular life, you don't see that happen as quickly. And so you miss things that you don't even know that you're missing. Yeah. Until they're gone. And so that, so I can see it with her and I'm taking that and I'm like, I have to be here for her every day to like, just embrace what's happening today because it's not going to happen again. But then you relate that to the rest of your life. And here's what I was talking to a friend about yesterday. Which was, um, you will never have enough time to do the things that you want to do. No. If you were, if, if you are one person to say, I'll do it when I have more time, it will never happen. Yeah. It will never come. You have to just make things happen. It's like us with this, with this conversation, we just had to schedule it. And it's like, okay, this is when we're doing yep. it. And we're just going to make it happen. Yeah. And I, I appreciate agree. you doing that. 
Um, but a lot of times that just doesn't happen. Yeah. You have to be very intentional about it. Yeah, I agree. Like it, it, but don't you think that's a, there's a learning curve to that. Yeah. Age helps with that. Experience helps with that. Maturity helps with that. Have some bad shit happen in your life helps with that a lot. Trust me. <laughs> it, uh, you get, you get to see things in a vastly different light. Yeah. And you, you learn that humility is the avenue to let you have a beautiful life. Period. I love that. Okay. I asked Teresa these questions last time. Do you know what, you know what they are? I'm going to let you ask me. Okay. Why are you here? What are you living for? And what would you die for? I am here in my mind to try in some small way, make people's lives better. That's truly what I believe. Any person's life better or particular people's life better? Anyone I would come in contact with on a daily basis. I'm the guy who goes into the gym and when I see a person in the gym who it's probably a lot easier for them to be at home. Probably a lot more comfortable. They probably don't feel as stigmatized and they're there and they're putting in the effort. I will always make the effort to say hello, tell them I'm proud of them and encourage them to keep doing it. We could go a long ways in this in life if we just loved our fellow man and quit trying to put people down so much. Mm -hmm. That's just my personal philosophy. I love that. I would die for multiple things. Without a doubt, the head of that are my children, period. There is, and my granddaughters. I have five amazing, beautiful granddaughters. There would be no hesitancy for them. Recently, I've acquired a third thing in my world that I would absolutely die for. And that's this pretty little blonde girl that's sitting over here on the couch. She's a... Uh, I've probably learned more about myself and about what I truly want out of life in the last year than I have in the last 20 years. Yeah. A lot of that's been by having intellectual conversations with her and really talking about life and things and our struggles and her struggles and my struggles and our struggles and really exposing those things to each other and knowing at the end of the day that I still get a hug and she's still going to give me crap and she's still going to tease me and she's still going to give me grief. That's just what she does. But yeah, that's, uh, my kids are number one. Teresa knows that she, she knows the value they are in my life. I'm blessed to have, I have amazing kids yeah. and I would venture to say that's not because of their dad, <laughs> but I'm blessed to have just amazing kids. So I'm proud of every one of them. 
Well, it sounds like, you know, sounds like they probably know that you love them based on how you're talking here. <laughs> Without a doubt, they do. Yeah. <laughs> Because I can't, I can't see you not sharing that no. with the things that you've said. Pro- probably more than they want to hear it sometimes, <laughs> I would venture to say. I tell them often. Well, I make sure they know I love them and I'm proud of them and I will always be for there for them. I think that's a lesson that we all need to have is that there's no time to waste not sharing your feelings with someone that you care deeply for, whether it's your children, whether it's your spouse or your significant other, or I would agree, whatever. There's no time to not share those things. What are we promised, Sean? We might leave here. We're not promised. anything. I may not get home. You're promised right now, I guess. We were promised. No, we were promised that last few seconds we just went through. Right. Even right now is not promised anything. It's life is a fickle thing. Mm. It can change in an instant. And the, I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, the one thing I would pray for each of you is that you never have to live with regret in your life. Don't put yourself in a position that you have to live with any sort of regrets. Live life, love everybody, be a good human, and life will be fine. I love that. Well, I, I really, you cannot fake authenticity. And I can tell that you've been authentic Here's the thing. This podcast may never get any amount of following, but to me, it's worth having for the simple sake of practicing authenticity. I appreciate that. And to connect with other humans. Oh, it's, like I said, I love yeah. long form podcasts. I love adults sitting down and being willing to talk about some hard things and being able to disagree and being able to have different opinions and talking because it proves to me that as a country, as a society, we can do it. Yeah. We just choose not to. And that's sad. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, brother. And I'd call it there and thanks brother. We'll let you get going. Appreciate it.